I'm Julia, and welcome to Unnecessary Angst, your local tipsy YA book podcast. We spent so much time in our catch-up before this talking about books, and I'm like, oh, we also read a book. I kind of almost (laughs) forgot that that's the purpose. We had a lot to talk about. A lot happens in a week. it really does life completely changes constantly also know, we just remember goes. things that happened you know three months ago and decide to <laughs> talk and we talk about things that are not going to happen for like another three months <laughs> checks out this is called friendship kids true pay attention <laughs> if you can't stop talking and get to why you're meeting in the first place you have a good friendship <laughs> it's a true friend right there <laughs> Never get anything done. Exactly. That's when you know. (laughs) Oh, gosh. But we are going to get something done, Julia. How are you doing tonight? What are you drinking? I am doing so well. I am... Actually, that's a really good question. What am I drinking? I just picked this up at Italy the other day. It's a... um, uh, They suggested it to me, which I was like, I haven't taken a suggestion at a wine store in a while, but they were really nice about it, so... There you go. Uh, a Greco di Tufo. Um, yeah. I, I'm going to be honest. All it says is it says it's a white wine, and it's from from Italy. How <laughs> I don't know anything about this. It tastes really good. It tastes almost – I could be completely off here, but I feel like it kind of tastes – let me see. Mm, it's almost like a cross – between a Chardonnay and a Sauvignon Blanc, in a way, without the bad parts of the Chardonnay, because I yes. hate Chardonnay. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> it's more like a Sauvignon Blanc in that sense. Um, but I also don't drink a lot of whites, aside from Riesling, so I'm not really the best judge of that. Fair. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, let's see, what's happened in the past week? Uh, I've had a lot of projects going on um four assignments three are group projects so that always makes it super fun um i have my reading week or week off coming up the week after this which is so exciting (laughs) i'm going to be spending it catching up on all those same assignments (laughs) woo (laughs) woo um but yeah i spent a lot of it just doing group work and coordinating on that um Went to Italy for the second time since I got here, and I absolutely love it there. But all the stalls are open now. When I first got here, everything was shut down because of our little lockdown that we had. And so now I actually got to see it in action, which was nice. Um, I got some uh, milk tea, which is also very fun. I have my milk tea place down now, which is really great. That's when you know you're settled in. True. This is true. Um picked up some new books at the bookstore which was great and yeah actually it was a pretty restful week all in all I had a lot of work to do but it wasn't like strenuous or anything so that's coming up after reading week which is going to be so fun (laughs) so so yes so how are you doing what are you sipping um well I was also drinking a white wine before this is my second glass and uh i still had to start a new bottle but um i don't remember what <laughs> so that's the white... how long we talked 
It was I was on the dregs of it anyways. Like I I was finishing the bottle with my first glass and I'm on a second glass and I had to start a new bottle. It was a transition time. Um but I was drinking a white wine. Couldn't tell you what it was. It was fine. Lots of green apple notes. That's all I remember about it. Um now I'm drinking a rosé uh called The Butterfly Effect. Oh god okay do i know what it tastes like no because i've also filled half of my wine glass uh with passion fruit orange guava juice so <laughs> making a wine cocktail you know what i do not like rosé so that is completely fine i i think i'd already had a bottle of that rosé and i wasn't a huge fan of it so um hence why i preemptively put juice in it also i just need to get rid of the juice that's in my house Kill two birds with one stone. (laughs) Oh my god. So, uh, yeah, this is the closest we've seen me make a cocktail while at home on the pod. (laughs) Love that. It's fine. It's totally fine. Um, It tastes good. It tastes like passion fruit, orange guava juice, or pog juice, as it's more colloquially known in Hawaii. And uh, I thoroughly enjoy it because it's my favorite kind of juice. So, having a good time. As long as you like it. Um, and see, how how was my week? My week was good. We're making progress on my project, so slowly but surely getting more things to do, but it's been pretty low-key, which I've actually enjoyed. It gave me time to finish my objectives for the year. So Very organized. I made plans for, like, what I want to accomplish this year at a high level, confirmed that I will be managing someone for the first time this year, so I will become... A manager. That is very exciting. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Not not a horse? I wish. (laughs) That'd be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) But no, not a horse. An actual human being who is a college student. Um, So that's exciting. That won't be till the summer, though. And... What's, what else? Been trying to do some reading. So, got a library cart set up in my room in lieu of a nightstand on the side of the bed that I don't sleep on. It, just setting myself up for never having a partner. You know what? The first time I moved into the uh, the old president's house at my dad's college, I pushed the bed into the far corner, and my mother asked me, why are you pushing your bed into the far corner? What if you get a boyfriend? How is he going to get into the bed? I was like, excuse me? <laughs> so don't worry. <laughs> like you would bring your boyfriend to the house where both of your parents are also sleeping. <laughs> that was what my mom asked, though. I love how open your mom is about things. I know. Personally, um, being the adopted second daughter in your family, um, I would not want to bring a boy home to meet your father. I know you would get grilled. <laughs> Hopefully oh in two languages that would make it funnier. I know. Um but, uh, yeah, so got a library cart, so now I have my TBR right by my bed, which is very exciting, and that's about it. Took my Christmas tree down, finally, <laughs> this weekend. 
That is a really big feat. Congratulations. Thank you. How does it feel? It feels great. Skyla's still really (laughs) upset about it, but I gave her some of her Valentine's gifts early to make up for it. So she was very excited about the little stuffed elephant I gave her. And also uh, I got her a Polaroid camera, like the Instax, whatever they're called. Yeah. Um. Yeah, a little Polaroid. So she's very oh, excited about that. And I had to keep reminding her. I was like, it's not like taking a selfie on your phone. You have to get it right the first time. <laughs> you cannot do 17 takes. Yeah, that is actually true. But she seemed excited That's about it. That's the fun of Polaroids. And then we're uh, we're getting ready for our Disney trip this upcoming weekend. So we're probably going to take next week off from recording. But excited about... Getting to go live in our fantasy world of Disneyland for at least a little bit and to avoid real reality. Ugh, I'm jealous. (laughs) But someone doesn't get to avoid real reality. And that is Jennifer James. Because this is a very realistic book, as we all know. I love how she keeps, not to get into it, but like I love how she keeps repeating real reality instead of just saying reality. <laughs> has a lot of Jenniferisms. She she does. She has a very distinct and unique voice. That is true. <laughs> but that's what we're here to talk about today. Um, we're finally starting the chapter by chapter recap of um, mm-hmm. chapter by chapter is a loose term in yeah. the case of this book. The uh, date by date. But yeah, exactly. The collection by collection of exactly. diary-ish entries. Yes. Uh, um, but we, we're finally starting our new book. So if you didn't listen to the last episode, probably should. It's helpful to go over the cast of characters because we're going ahead with the assumption that we know who the characters are since we've already we deep dive very them. quickly. <laughs> um, but we will be reading the actual real reality of Jennifer James by Jillian Shields. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. By Jillian Shields. And so we are starting today with the entries for August 31st through September 12th. And boy, do we get a lot of info dumping in these <laughs> We did. In these a entries. lot of angst as well, so. I have a feeling that's going to be the whole book, that my ratings at the end of every episode are going to be 8s to 10s pretty much the entire time. But that's okay. You know what? It's what the podcast is for. I We're know. going to dissect it. Um, but Julia, should we, should we get into it? Do you want to give us a synopsis? I do. All right. So we start off. In the collection of dates, uh, August 31st to September 5th, titled, You Are Ruining My Life, Jennifer is really excited about a documentary, quote-unquote documentary, being filmed at her school, but her mom does not seem to be jazzed. Jennifer notes that her headmaster is never at school, and teachers don't seem to care, so her school is totally mediocre. We learn her mother's name is Sheila, but she wants to be called Jocasta. After taking women's studies seminars and becoming a crazy feminist. I have many questions about this, by the way. (laughs) We love (laughs) Jocasta. She doesn't like television and wants Jennifer to stay away from it. Also, throwing the permission slip away, which causes Jennifer to lose her cool. Poor Jennifer. (laughs) The very little bit of cool she had. Yes. (laughs) 
She goes uh, to her friend Vicky's that afternoon, whose dad has already signed her form, but Vicky says she won't turn it in if Jennifer cannot participate. We love that for Vicky. Jennifer is stressing because she doesn't want her mom to find out that she took the permission slip out of the trash, cleaned it, and had her dad sign it after she was babysitting her younger brother when her mom went back to her book club. She is able to hand the form in at school without her mom knowing and is just praying her dad doesn't mention signing a random form. <laughs> Jennifer. They're not even divorced and she's pitting her parents against each other. Like, I damn. I know. She complains about her school and being classified as a nerd just because she enjoys school work and reading. She continues to describe the failures of her school, how mediocre it is, but her mom won't let her go to a grandma or a private school because they are institutions used to oppress the minority, as Jacosta says. Oh boy. The next day in English class, she moons over her teacher, Mr. Webster, as they start Romeo and Juliet. She wishes he could be her first kiss and then laments that she hasn't been kissed yet. We learn filming is going to start in two weeks and production has already started organizing the school. In gym, Tallulah and her friends make Jennifer look awkward and Marcus smiles at her and tells her nice jumping, which she does not appreciate. She also gets called jumping Jennifer for the rest of the day. On Saturday, Jennifer is reading Romeo and Juliet, and her and Jacosta find common ground on it, though Jacosta is only familiar with the 1960s movie, not Leonardo DiCaprio's version, but she says that they can watch the old movie together, but then remembers she got rid of the TV. Jennifer ends the section by telling us that Marcus has green eyes. The flow of narration is just so great. It's a pure chaos. It's it absolute it chaos. It is a real teenager's brain. <laughs> I tried so hard. So I'm just going to apologize to the listeners before you go into the next section. I'm, I'm going to apologize in advance for this whole book and how these synopses are going to go. I'm going to do my best, but... Just bullet point It's fine. <laughs> it's hard to extract out plot from these chapter but we're gonna do our best you're doing great so far <laughs> so now in uh the next section september 6th to 12th which is titled disgusted horrified sickened dot 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 we start with an article about the tv show learning it's not a documentary but a reality tv show called down the bog to force celebrities to teach at a mediocre school and see who can best conquer the reality of a teacher's life. Everyone, celebs, teachers, and students will be voted on, and prizes will occur along with donations to charity. Again, Jennifer hopes her mom doesn't find out, and later that night she gets a lecture from her mom on body image and hygiene standards, which Jennifer does not agree with. Jennifer then explains why Tulula hates her. She stepped on her CD player and laughed at what she thought was a Shakespeare joke, but was not, <laughs> which is so good. But Tallulah never gets punished because Miss Moody is scared of Tallulah's parents, so all her pranks and evilness go unpunished. We go to another article about the backlash to the show. The teachers' union is upset, especially given the prize for pupils, is to send a kid to a boarding school, St. Willibald College, which goes against the point of it being a study in public school. 
Problem is, the article was read by Jocasta. She is upset, but Jennifer sees the prize and is hyperfixated on winning because St. Willibald is everything she wants. But she doesn't think she can win, given she has never been able to win any kind of popularity contest in her life. Vicky says it may get cancelled if the parents object, but Jennifer doesn't think that will happen. Miss Moody sends a letter out to all the parents and students saying she was misled on the nature of the TV program at first. Sure. But they all agree to go ahead with it, and Hades will be making substantial donations to the school and to charity, a charity called How Much Is That Doggy? Which, to be clear, is selling off celebrities' pets. <laughs> In an auction style. <laughs> Jennifer shows the letter to Jocasta, who is glad Jennifer is not participating, and it throws it away. There is rumor Seth Dale will be a celeb guest who is Tallulah's celebrity crush, and she is very excited. Marcus is goofing around with Jennifer and Tallulah, playing at Romeo and Juliet characters, singing a Seth Dale song to Tallulah, and just singing to Jennifer, and Jennifer is not impressed and does not care he is in a band, though does think he can sing well. <laughs> Jennifer then worries that Mr. Webster and Vicky will both win prizes in the show, and she will be left alone at London Road. <laughs> They get a letter from Storm Young in production, who tells them they cannot all compete, so there will be two kids from each year in the competition, and they all have to vote on who to select. To be clear, this was written before The Hunger Games. <laughs> um, whoever is selected will be filmed for the entire day, every day, and it will be live-streamed. The highlights, actual episodes, will release Tuesdays and Fridays, and Fridays will be the live broadcast of voting results, and this will happen until there are three left, which is when the grand finale will occur. Jennifer is feeling very down because she truly knows she will not be able to get any votes to be on the show. She goes to church on Sunday and has a reality check, feeling really bad that she has been ignoring her family because she is so focused on the show. She misses her old family dynamic, so she decides to do something about it, starting by taking her brother, Jonathan, to the playground where she sees Marcus and Paul Johnson. They come to talk to her, and he introduces his bandmates, and they all play with her brother. And then that is where we end. <laughs> so much here, and yet so little at the same time, which is what's so hilarious. <laughs> I think you're on mute. <laughs> I have so many thoughts. I know. I'm... I want to hear them, because <laughs> this is so funny. <laughs> this was such a, like, oh my god, this reminds me of how I used to think in, like, my teenage years. <laughs> okay, so the first thing, I just, again, public disclaimer for, like, how I am reading this book. Straight up, I started reading it, not even intending for this to happen, but um, the book is being audiobooked in my head in a British accent as I read. <laughs> I cannot read it any other way. That is the way to do it because it is so British. It is. It's so true to form, which I'm very excited about because I love, like, truly <laughs> British banter and, like, Jennifer delivers it. So that's very enjoyable and, and fun. I'm I'm appreciating that. Um, before before I heard you say Hades out loud, uh, I was just reading it, which it's spelled H-A-Y-D-E-E-Z-E, -E -E. I just thought it sounded like two seconds away from a bad frat joke. 
I hate these nuts. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, what kind of reputable production company is named this? Hades production. <laughs> oh my god. Like what? Do, do they give out little stress balls as like promotional materials? <laughs> um, yeah, so the name, a lot of the names everywhere in this book are going to be bonkers. Again, I have many thoughts. I will get into them as I, as I go through the through the chapters not at all understanding what the hell is going on with jacosta's name change from sheila do we learn about this she's going through a midlife crisis that's all i will say she's having a midlife crisis she went my theory I, i still remember my theory at the beginning of this and it's i think it applies is like She's having this midlife crisis where they have moved. Um, I think it was for their um, the father, so they've moved for him, right? And in this scenario, and like I think even Jennifer touches on it a bit, is like Sheila or Jacosta, whichever you want to call her, is having this sort of moment where she's like, "What do like? What's my part? Like, how do I kind of get some attention here? Like, we're just moving around for my husband, but I want to do something with my life, which feels significant." And so she sees this like women's studies stuff that she's doing and Jacosta to be the significant thing in her life now, and she's going to reinvent her family dynamics because it's the only thing that she has control over. So, yeah, a little bit of a midlife crisis. I just, I find it really interesting that that has to come with a name change. Jacosta? I know. <laughs> From Sheila. Like, also, you're living in Britain. Why are you picking such Australian names? <laughs> I don't know. Well, what, what was the, why I love too is how it's um, explained in the book. Ancient Greek queen who married her own son and stabbed herself in her private parts when she realized her little mistake. <laughs> Again, I have many thoughts about this, but that's a pop culture reference, so I'll, I'll get into that. Um, but, okay, so, like, I, I get she's having a midlife crisis, fine, and is trying to reinvent herself and her family and is becoming a radical feminist. What is Jennifer's problem with radical feminism? Like, unless her mom is a turf, well, it doesn't seem to be that bad. I'm going to guess she doesn't know a whole lot about feminism. Like, I think feminism nowadays, if you think back to feminism back then, like, I remember feminism back then, and I was also really confused about because at that time in, like, early 2000s, you had a lot of these, like, extreme feminists. And, like, the, what I was exposed to were the ones who were going on to, like, runway shows and were, like, protesting and, like, going naked on these catwalks and stuff. Like, that was the feminism that I saw in the early mm-hmm. 2000s. That I was, like... I don't want to be associated with that. Like, yeah, I want women's rights, but I don't want feminism. And so as we've, like, evolved, we've kind of redefined feminism to what it's actually about. (laughs) But my guess is, like, for someone like Jennifer as well, is, like, she's being exposed to this extreme feminism that she's, like, I don't agree with, like, not taking a bath. I don't agree with, like, changing your name. I don't agree with not watching TV. Like, it's extreme takes of feminism that she's being exposed to at an early age that she's, like, yo... Hold on. So. Right. Okay. That that definitely makes more sense. Like I 
I, I remember those days. And I think we'll, yeah. I'll get into this, and in, not this particular piece in pop culture, but, like, it's very interesting to see her take versus Mia's take from The Princess Diaries because mm. her mom is also a radical feminist and has all those, like, militant feminist friends that do these, like, weird art installations and stuff. But that's still, like... Mia's mother still has, like, a good take on feminism. Like, it's radical in one way, but it's not, like, Jacosta being like, we're not going to have a TV. No, it's very different. It's, like, sexually liberating radical feminism. It's, like, a different version of it. Um, But Mia's just like, yeah, mom's cool. Just may want to hide some of her stuff before my grandma sees it and gets mad. But, like, I'm cool with it. So it's just a very interesting sort of uh, difference between two diary writing teenagers <laughs> from the early aughts. I know. Um, okay, so that that definitely makes more sense, but, like, the way that she describes the name shift does not at all make any sense. So thank you for explaining um, Then she's at Vicky's house, and I, I agree with Jennifer that it's crazy that someone can make enough money at a record shop that only sells reggae and Rasta music. What's happening in this sleepy British town that there are so many people listening to reggae and Rasta? Well, I'm, like, not totally into the British culture, but I do think that they have a wider taste when it comes to music sure. because of their history with colonialism. Oh, of just, like, taking over everybody? Yeah. Exactly. That's, yeah, that's correct. That doesn't super surprise me, but I do agree. Like, how are they making money? Are they okay? It doesn't surprise me that there are people in this sleepy British town that are interested in reggae and Rasta. It just surprises me that there's enough business for just those two genres to keep this record store afloat. <laughs> but... Uh, but who knows? Who knows the listening styles of Midcaster? Not us. We're not experts. Uh, I would like to understand the type of paper that they're using in Britain. Because to be able to wipe porridge off of a piece of paper and not have it be completely ruined baffled me. Oh, yeah. That part, like, kind of annoys me, too. Mostly because, like... Why, like, just ask for a new copy at school. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> she must have been really good at wiping the porridge off of it, or it I was just very like it thick would porridge. Seep through, or like the the font, the the ink on the paper would start to bleed a little bit. Like you could definitely tell that it was soggy paper. How did you get it firm enough to be signed again? I, what magic paper in Britain? Sure, it's fine. Um, I did think it was very cute. Her relationship with Jonathan so far, I find to be really cute. And like her big sister role, she seems to really look out for him. It's very heartwarming and adorable. Our first day of school presents a thing that we do, or that British people do. Yeah, like I mean, so I think it's more of a European thing. Like, um. Mm. I know I got one in Germany because I went to kindergarten there, and I definitely got presents on the first day of school. Um, I, there's a word for it over there, and I don't remember what it was. I don't think it's a widespread German tradition, but I'm guessing like it's, if it's there in Germany, it's probably also a European thing. Okay. That, again, 
makes sense. Um, did not spend any time going to school in Europe, so seemed a little strange, but thought it was very <laughs> cute that she wanted to draw Buzz Lightyear for her little brother. Uh, I was a little concerned with her language choices. <laughs> Only eight pages in, she's also she's already calling people tarts, and um. I don't know a lot about British slang and curse words, but I'm fairly confident calling someone a tart is not a nice thing. Have you ever watched Skins? Bits and pieces. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) They don't say tart, but they say similar things. It's always like, are they really saying this stuff at their age? Yeah, tart, tart, I agree, does not sound like a good thing to be saying. And she just says it so casually. Tarty Tallulah. I'm like, damn, girl. She likes her alliteration. Hold back a little bit. Jeez. <laughs> Listen, Tallulah makes her life miserable and she does nothing about it. She can at least be petty in her diary. I. This is true. And it's not supposed to be seen by anyone. So, like, I get that, you know, like... When I am in therapy or when I'm, like, dealing with something on my own, I curse a lot more than I do in the real world. Though I do already curse a lot in in the real world. But <laughs> I curse more, probably. <laughs> so I, I get that. You want to have, like, a safe space to get all of your vicious feelings out. And that way you don't use them in real life, hopefully. Um, but I do, I did really, like, relate to and feel bad for her, especially when she's going through sort of... <sighs> Not necessarily her insecurities, but just, like, her challenges with Tallulah and with the school and how she doesn't feel like she's good enough and that she's being trapped in this nerd box just because she likes to read. And, like, I relate to that. That was me in high school. I'm sure that was, in some cases, you in high school as well. Oh, where, yes. <laughs> you know, it's like we know we have a lot to offer and we are these, like, full, interesting people that have all of these different characteristics and unique things that we can offer people around us but you're instead trapped in a single category that is not fully representative of who you are as a human it's just a label that doesn't quite fit right and liking to read and liking learning does not define our entire selves and it doesn't define jennifer's entire self like she already definitely seems way more obsessed with image than most nerds (laughs) that I knew growing up. So I get it. Like, I I get her struggle. I feel bad that she has to go through it. I definitely related to to it a lot in high school as well and overcompensated by doing my makeup every morning and, like, trying to dress nice and wearing heels to school so people would think that I was girly as well as nerdy and not just being trapped in one category and did it work absolutely not now i just run around in sweatshirts because i can't bother to put heels on my feet ever because they're uncomfortable why would you do that to yourself not to prove yeah. me um and then let's see what else do i have i kind of agree with jacosta on the private school piece I mean, if you think about it, private schools were created for the rich because they wanted to separate themselves from the lower class. So she's historically correct. Well, and that's the thing. Like, yes, there are good things with private schools if you are a person getting to go to private school. Yes. However, 
the premise of private schools and grammar schools and charter schools is that they continue prioritizing and inflaming the upper class and making it more challenging to lessen the wealth gap. So if you are committed to bringing equity and equality into societies that desperately need it, especially to minority groups who are not being provided those opportunities because of past legal battles and challenges, continuing to have private schools is not the way that you're going to lessen those problems. You need to invest money instead of in private schools in marginalized communities so that you can have appropriate teachers and like teacher to class size ratios and yeah. mm, education reform in every country, not just the US. <laughs> and then my last comment for this first section uh, is that commentary that Johnny Depp is the world's most beautiful man does not age well. It did not. I think, though, in the next section, I know I'm jumping ahead a bit, uh, they, they drag Leo a bit, um, which I lived for, where they call Leo, maybe it wasn't this section when they're talking about the movie, but they call Leo the Peter Pan of Hollywood. It's <laughs> like, oh my god, that's so true. But I don't even know if that's dragging him, it just means that he doesn't age. If he doesn't age, but if you think about the context nowadays and the type of women that, that he, he only dates, dates young girls, yeah, I know. It's so it true. It can be a drag. It can if applied in modern cases, but that's definitely not what it meant when it was written in what, like 2005? <laughs> oh my god. Oh god. Um, okay, anyways, that's everything I had for the first section. It was a lot. I just had. I, I, like I said, I had a lot of feelings as I was reading. So, what did you have, Julia? Um, I didn't have too much more. I just enjoy, when I'm thinking about the bigger stuff here, I enjoy the way that she talks. Because it just feels so fun and the flow goes so well. Because I think it's the same, it's almost like me and my, like, very ADD mind. Um, the amount of punctuations that she uses, how she skips from one subject to the next. She never, my problem with a lot of YA books, um, and the reason I can't get past the first few pages sometimes is because they spend so much time focusing on one thing and, like, getting into all the details. Like, not only was the door gray, but the crack on the right side of the door next to the hinge was a dark gray. (laughs) Like, it's stuff like that. I can't read it and keep focused on it. So I just, like, stop before I've even started. I think the reason why I've always loved this book and why it's my go-to book is in these first few pages, you see how quickly her thinking goes. That is how my brain works. (laughs) So it's so much easier for someone like me to just, like, read it and get hooked on it. Yeah, it definitely Um, feels like you're watching some teenager talk in real time. Like, it does not feel like you're reading a book. I agree with that. Yeah. I also just think it's so interesting, um, looking back at my own um, teenage years, my mother never had, like, a Jocasta phase. Like, she was perfectly reasonable. But, like, we would argue all the time because she was obviously, like... I was doing stuff that was stupid, not, like, illegal or anything. Like, I was just, like, not paying attention as much. I was getting diagnosed with ADD. Like, there was a lot of stuff going on. So she was concerned. I was acting out. So we had a lot of fighting, and kind of, like, Jocasta and Jennifer. And, like, 
I just like that it's there because I, you get the reasoning from Jocasta Silas. She's doing this like women studies as it's written W I M M I N, which is so British. Um, you really have to say that in a British accent. It's so great. Women um, studies. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of taken to this extreme for like the daughter mother tension, but I think the daughter mother tension is such a strong thing. Like, I don't, I could be totally wrong here because obviously I don't have a brother. <laughs> I don't really have a lot of, like, male friends. <laughs> but I feel like there's not a lot of tension with, when it comes to, like, sons. Like, they'll do stupid things, but there's this, like, almost catty, petty sort of thing that a lot of girls will go through with their mother that I hear about and, like, you read about, like, in here. That I feel like this book captures really well. <laughs> Even though, like, obviously Jocasta's crazy. <laughs> but Agreed. I think having grown up with a lot of male cousins, it's gendered in a lot of yeah. ways. Now, this isn't going to apply to every household. Recognize that. Everyone's different. We grew up in very, like, heteronormative, cisgendered households, both of us. Um, so, prefacing this next sentence with that. But, like, my cousin never really had conflicts with his mom, my aunt, because she would always coddle him and, like, make sure that he was taken care of. And so he could always, like, go cry to her if something was bothering him or if he was just pissed at someone and wanted her to, like, intervene and take care of it. She would do that because she wanted mm-hmm. to take care of her baby. Him and my uncle cross paths constantly. Like, they were butting heads all of the time. And my uncle would be proud of him for doing, like, sexual stuff with girls because... Oh, yeah, look at my son. <laughs> blah, blah, crap. Uh, but he never thought that he had a strong enough work ethic or was, like, putting himself out there in the right ways. And so the same things that, like, we butt heads with our moms about, boys butt heads with their dads about. And, like, that's where yeah. I've kind of seen that dynamic play out. So it's interesting in those very, like, stereotypical American heteronormative households how you see it, like, kind of draw gender lines. Um mm-hmm. In, in a way. I don't, I'd be interested to see how that plays out in households where you don't have those same gender stereotypes, but I've definitely seen that. And I agree. I have but, but it had some all, all the time. We were constantly fighting. Oh, boy. I do not miss those days at all. Me neither. Um, man. Uh, I, have, I have, like want to talk about all of the first of all what did you think about the um footnotes we don't have to get into them we can talk more about them in pop culture for the ones that are pop culture related but in general uh just general thought i thought that they were cute i wouldn't say that they were helpful in terms of like (laughs) not deciphering anything for me because like all of the things that she at least in the first couple of sections the things she was putting footnotes on were things I already knew. Like, <laughs> she was I already commentating on them. <laughs> I already knew who Queen Jocasta was. I don't know why you're making your reference to your mother about like ancient Greek tragedies, but okay. Um, well, you, you know have to remember who... this is aimed at teenagers who might not know who Jocasta is yet. <laughs> yes, fair. I, I, I get that, but like I like I know who Leo DiCaprio is. I know who. <laughs> I know a lot of these things, but then, like, explaining the intricacies of certain British slang that I'd be interested in understanding, like, 
why do you call bad schools, like, through the bog schools or, like, whatever it is. Well, they do explain that, though. A little, but, like, not the full political context of where that's coming from. You know what I mean? So, like, there could be more there, but that's not what a teenager is going to be interested in. No. She's she's going to be like, this means this, let's move on. (laughs) Right, exactly. So, um, interesting not necessary, I would say, in terms of, like, deciphering Britishisms, at least so far from what I've seen, could definitely change. But I do think it gives a very good insight into her personality um, and just, like, how her brain works. And so I could see, going back to your point about, like, the ADD and, like, being able to focus on a bunch of different things and, like, constantly cycling through different thoughts in your head it's almost like she has a thought and then she has another thought and then she's like oh wait but I want to talk about this other thing more and then she just like adds a footnote in and so you can kind of see the sort of bouncing back and forth that's happening there which is interesting for sure um so yeah does that explain my thoughts I don't know yes (laughs) <laughs> I just found the box standard that you were talking about, and it goes, translation, I'm a government minister, and I wouldn't send my kid to a rubbish school like that, which I love. I think it's so funny. But yeah, like, if you want to know more, if, like, but the bog standard is, like, a bigger concept. You right. It's like, where it. did this come from? Why is it called this? What kind of schools are, fall into this camp? You are too Ravenclaw. You want to know too much. I'm satisfied. You're like, no, I want the full backstory. I want a book on it right now. Give it to me, a full essay. But don't, because I hate reading nonfiction. (laughs) One of my absolute favorites in this first section for the footnotes is where she's speaking French. Um... So she goes, presque mon français est absolument parfait. And then she goes with the translation. You fully expect like an actual translation? No, she goes, because I speak French like a total Euro babe. I'm like, I'm that's pretty sure that's not at all how that is it's literally Because my French is absolutely perfect. Is that what parfait meant? I thought she was saying I speak French like a total snack or something. No, like- no, no, parfait is perfect. You're thinking of the yogurt. <laughs> Why would I not? They're spelled the same. I know. I know. Goddamn French. Ugh, man. The French. <laughs> um, and then, oh my god. <laughs> the part where she's explaining to why Tallulah hates her. And she's like, um, who is... Uh, what was it? Oh, she, they're talking about Henry V, and Tulula goes, oh, is that a boy band or something? And Jennifer cracks up thinking it's a joke. Like, that is pretty funny. It is. Like, I would laugh. I, I would, would 100% laugh. laugh. Especially if I didn't. That is a boy band. Well, and if you don't know the person, because that was on her first day of school, right? So, like, mm-hmm. Maybe if it was a girl that I knew was, like, generally dumb, I wouldn't laugh until, like, later. (laughs) But. Or, like, go up to them after class and be like, hey, that was really funny. (laughs) No, that involves too much human interaction for me, Julia. Come on. (laughs) What else do I have for this section? Oh, my love for Romeo and Juliet, right? You know what's funny, though? Um. So I love the 1960s movie. I've talked about this before, I think, even on yes. the past podcasts. Um, I don't think I've ever actually watched through the Leo version, the Baz Luhrmann version, 
ever, which is really funny because I love Baz Luhrmann, the director. <laughs> I know you do. I, like, cannot get through his Romeo and Juliet. There's I something about it that I cannot stand. Okay, I great. hated it. Hey, I get that other people like Leo's I think it's I, Juliet, it's but. great in that it appeals to an audience that wouldn't normally like something like that. But I think there's mm. the rest of us who just like can't quite get on board with it. But the rest of us like Shakespeare, so Exactly. Like I think we're a little bit too purist in a way. Um I think my problem with it is like if I'm going to watch Romeo and Juliet with guns, I'd rather just watch West Side Story. <laughs> True. West Side Story is really good. It is. And the new one is really good. Like the the reboot that Spielberg did. I haven't even seen it yet. Don't it's... spoil it for me. I want you to think about what you just said. <laughs> but didn't they add new new songs in it? Not that I recall. All the songs he did it familiar to me. Scene to scene the same? Not scene to scene the same, but the songs are the same. Oh, okay. Well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll see when I watch it. I thought it was good. I thought it was good. It was I enjoyed it. It was fun. I, there there are probably some new scenes, some like slight differences, slight moments, but I cried at the end like I cry every time I watch West Side Story. I would if there's going to be guns, I'd rather watch West Side Story. That's my only point. I also prefer the 1960s Romeo and Juliet version. Um though I will probably have to pull up cuz Skyla's been reading Romeo and Juliet in class. English class. Oh yes, that's right. Right you now, told me about um, that. and they've been watching the 1960s version, I think. And she was making a comment about how she saw someone's butt, and she was very uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't skip through that. They skipped through that. I remember in my school, like they knew the exact timing of it. I remember my English teacher would be like, "Okay, everyone." Well, so how I, the reason I watched the whole Baz Luhrmann version is because that's what we watched. In ninth grade. And I hated it. And I was forced to sit in English class and watch it. And I was like... Yeah. <laughs> the whole time. But maybe I'll watch it again and watch it with Skyla. Because I feel like she might be more engaged if Leo's if in it. If you see Lena DiCaprio. Yeah, honestly, that's not like the age where I feel like you're more interested in who's on the screen than the actual take on it. <laughs> oh, 100%. <laughs> Every time we watch a movie, she's like, that guy's hot. I was just thinking, though, it's so funny talking about this and how, like, she's probably going to like the Leonardo DiCaprio version because it's such a, like, I don't know. Um, it's such a Jocasta Jennifer situation where Jennifer's like, yeah, the Leo version, but we're not going to, and Jocasta is like, I like the 1960s version, though. <laughs> um, we're old, basically. We have old taste is what I'm getting from this. <laughs> We're old souls, you know. We are. Um, but man, she is in deep for Marcus, and it's only the first section, and she is in such denial. I'm so confused <laughs> about her feelings for Marcus. I think it's like she thinks that by giving him the time of day is going is somehow it's going against her ideals. Because he's close with Tallulah and, like, is clearly, like, flirting with Tallulah and stuff. But then she's like, but he's eye candy. Like, you know? She Yeah, she's like, he has features 
that objectively are okay. But everything that comes out of his mouth, I have decided is going to annoy me. So whether or not it actually annoys me, I'm annoyed. And instead, I'm going to daydream about making out with my teacher. I know. I mean, at least she is attracted to, uh, you know, intellectual types. It's always good. And at least she recognizes that her teacher is too old for her. Yes, she does say that. (laughs) But she can daydream. (laughs) I know. I, I really have never met anyone who's ever been attracted to a teacher. I'm like, but it's in so many, like, shows and books. Did we just have ugly teachers? Maybe we did. Maybe everyone I know had ugly teachers. I'm trying to remember. I think I did have a cute teacher. But my sixth and seventh, he was my sixth and seventh grade choir teacher. So, like, I think that was too early for us to be having crushes on teachers. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't even think about it at that point, you know? By the yeah. time he, By the time I got into high school, most of my guy teachers were old. Or very married. And no. I've had good-looking TAs in, like, university, but I... One of my math TAs ended up working at my company, and, uh... I never actually contacted him, but it was it was a big surprise. Um, and I would go look at his picture many times in a month and just be like, he works. He works here. That's cool. Uh, oh, I had many guys I would just look up and be like, you're pretty. I'm never going to talk to you, but you're pretty. I had a big crush when I was working at the supermarket um, back in back in the day um, in Middlebury. There was this produce worker who was like two years older than me. Oh my God, he was beautiful to look at. Like I was never going to go for a produce worker. Like I had standards, but he was beautiful. <laughs> I feel <laughs> I that way. I like stare at him. Every time there's, like, a cute Starbucks barista who just smiles at me a little too long, and I'm just like, I know. if only, if only we lived in a different universe. I know. The world is cruel. True. <laughs> okay, should we get back on this? Yes. Um, I think that was all I had for the first section. How okay. about section two? Okay, section two. I had slightly less, but bigger thoughts. So it's probably going to be about the same amount of time. Uh, First, I just, going back to, like, her mom interrupting her bath time and talking about (laughs) hygiene and, like, it's okay to have body odor and blah, 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 all this stuff. I feel bad for both of them because I, I totally understand Jennifer's point that her mom is missing the mark and going too far and, like, not at all understanding what it's like to be a teen in high school and having to interact with other students who are absolutely cruel. I get that. Like, trust me, I get that I'm dealing with it right now, right? Um, But I feel bad for Jocasta, too, because I'm sure her mom just doesn't want her to become self-obsessed and reliant on modern beauty standards to feel good about herself and wants her daughter to be emboldened and in love with just who she is as a person regardless of what society tells her she should think about herself she's caring she cares so much but there's a 
very carefully drawn balance that needs to be managed here. And Jocasta is not good at that balancing act because she's so scared of what the world is turning into that she's overcorrecting. And she needs to draw back just, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. Like, again, mothering m- myself, now a teenager, it's it's hard to be able to draw yourself back when you want to make sure that you're imparting the right lesson, but you have to. You have to take a step back and let them figure it out on their own, and that's really challenging. So I feel for both of them, you know, in this scenario, <laughs> which is yeah. weird, but, like, I, I really do. Uh, this is dumb, and you've probably heard this before, but cabbage. <laughs> Tallulah's dad is a richie rich because he has a cabbage empire it's so british though (laughs) but cabbage is such a big part of my life (laughs) oh my god i haven't i told you this my high school was built on a cabbage patch and so we had every year in the fall, like, towards the beginning of the school year, we had the Cabbage Patch Olympics, and it was a competition between all three grades at our high school, because I went to a three-year high school, sophomore, junior, senior, and it, you, we would, like, do relays where we'd have to, like, hold a cabbage head and, like, run through hoops and stuff. I we can't. did hands. Oh, we, my I, God. One year, I competed in one of the Olympic Games, and um, we had to find pieces that were, like, specific to our puzzle. It was, like, a relay thing. And so we had to find pieces and then put together a puzzle that was a giant painted picture of a cabbage. And we called them the Cabbage Patch Olympics. And, like, it happened every year. We won twice. We were one as, I want to say, as sophomores and as seniors. Um, and it it was just a really important part of my high school experience. It's one of the few things I miss about high school is the Cabbage Patch Olympics. Because especially senior year, like, we ended up staying over at one of my friend's houses. And we stayed up all night. We went to Denny's at, like, 2 in the morning. And then went and decorated the school at 4 in the morning. You write everywhere, like, in spray paint and in silly string and say, like, seniors rule. And we all made these, like, crazy t-shirts. And it was this big, just, like, camaraderie bonding experience. And... It's all because my high school was built on a cabbage patch. And so it triggered the memory for me. You're one step removed from the uh, cabbage patch queen <laughs> or princess. Uh-huh. If only we did that. But no, we had a daffodil princess. Oh, my gosh. Spring. That was a county thing. It was for the county parades. Um, okay. Every high school had a daffodil princess. And then they elected a daffodil queen. In them. I was not a daffodil princess for my school, as my friend Grace instead. Um, but anyways, okay. <laughs> so it goes deep, the cabbage, it, right? It, it was just, it hit, it hit me hard in a good way. But uh, I want, I want more information on why Tallulah is doing the things that she's doing. Because if she is actually doing all of these, like, crazy pranks and just, like, evil behaviors that she's not getting punished for, A literal nightmare i don't blame jennifer for hating her and wanting to get away from her as fast as possible because she's an out of control kid but like what is driving this behavior why is Tallulah feeling the need to act out like this is this the only way she can get attention from her parents especially if her parents are 
Richie Rich, you know, like, what's going on here? Because I feel like there's something deeper to Tallulah's character that Jennifer, as an unreliable teenage narrator, is not having the wherewithal to understand and translate for us. Possibly, but I know one girl in my high school who was very mean to people, including my friends, and I don't think, as far as I'm aware, that she had any sort of reasoning why she was just bored and mean and that's all that she did like she came from a pretty good family who were always supportive like she got into a pretty big I want to call it mess because I that's not the right word for it like it's not a mess it's just a big thing that happened to her um and her parents were both as far as I'm aware both there for her um during it so like I think back when she was a bully she was just a bully like sometimes they just don't have reasonings and I feel like Tallulah kind of fits into that category of just being a bully but who knows maybe she does have reasoning I want to hope that there's reasoning I I feel like again we're giving Jennifer the benefit of her being frustrated that people don't see her as a complete person or putting her in a box and I want to extend that same benefit to Tallulah that hopefully there's something more to her that's causing this acting out behavior that she either maybe doesn't realize about herself, um, but that there's something more deep-seated that may be causing it. Mm-hmm. Or she's just not a fleshed-out character. Could also be that. Who knows? It's a book. <laughs> or she's just a teenage girl <laughs> with anger issues. I know. I just, I want them to be caused by something It's more interesting. <laughs> Sometimes people just don't have motivations. They're just mean like that. That was, like, I saw this TikTok, and this is a pop culture reference, I guess, but I saw this TikTok recently that was, like, this girl was filming her boyfriend, um, and I guess she had made it clear that they were dating each other, and they were, like, devoted. And this other girl, like, they were, like, in a lake, and this other girl, like, swims up to her boyfriend while um, the girlfriend is filming him, and basically, like, starts flirting with him and, like, hitting on him, and, like, apparently this girl knew that the girlfriend was like right there (laughs) and like she happened to get this on camera the boyfriend was like what the heck is going on and like one of her comments on that video which i thought was so good was like some you realize like these sorts of things like girls just do this stuff sometimes it's not just something that happens in movies like girls just are mean to each other for no apparent reason even when they like know that what they're doing is wrong um they're crafty who knows it's true. God, I love our gender, but we're the worst sometimes. We are, we are, we are like very smart. We're really rational people until for some reason it comes to like social things and then we're like the meanest. Like we can get so bad. So, so true. Yeah. Anyway. On a positive note though, uh, <laughs> I do think the way that Jennifer is describing St. Willibald, it does actually sound like a pretty idyllic school and I'm hopeful that she gets what she wants and gets to go there. And I I especially I thought it was interesting that she was like hyper focused on the physical education component of the school. <laughs> but I did think it was really interesting that they had like a diversity of thought in terms of how they mm-hmm. offer physical education, particularly yes. offering Indian dance and um first off I want to warn Jennifer that if she thinks it'll be like soft Indian dance moves which is what she says later in the chapter that she's very wrong Bollywood's very hard and it's gonna be an intense workout 
But but it's a fun workout. It's so. a fun workout. And given the history between the two countries and the large population of Indian people living in the UK, like, that's actually a very thoughtful class mm-hmm. to include at, at a college like this uh, or at a high school like this, I guess. I just... I'm assuming we're never going to see this class actually come to fruition, but I do hope it is taught by an Indian instructor and it's not just another element of white man stealing things that they did not invent. <laughs> but and those are some tracks. good classes. I remember yeah. reading this too back then. I think, what was it? Yoga was also mentioned in there. Yoga, thinking like, oh. deep relaxation. <laughs> yes. Like, count me in. I agree with Jennifer. I want yeah, all Yeah, can I just classes. lay down and breathe for an hour? That sounds amazing. Like, if you think about it, if high schools actually taught that sort of, like, variation of physical exercise and, like, mental exercise sort of classes, it would be so much healthier. Because some people just aren't meant to run miles after miles after miles in physical education. No. <laughs> like, you have to give them alternative ways to keep in shape, either physically or mentally. So... That's, we've, we've convinced Skyla's gym teacher to not make her run and to let her do yoga instead. Good. That is progress for the school system. (laughs) Well, we need to get a doctor's note, but. So, semi Because she has, she has actual, like, issues. She has knee issues. She can't run, but, uh. Yeah. It's. You know, it helps. It's like any little bit of yoga helps. So he makes her do the wrong kind of yoga, so it still irritates her knee, which is very frustrating. But maybe one day. So we're like quarter of the way progress. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're getting there. Exactly. Um, okay, I really hated the idea of all of the students sending around, like, topless photos of one of the people that they thought might be their teacher I soon. Know. But that is such a, like high school boy thing like I definitely knew boys in my high school who did that sort of thing with like celebrity stuff and other very questionable things I mean yeah like even hopefully she posed in them on purpose oh yeah she did she she'll come up again later great Um, I I remember she's in the cast of character list like great that she at least consented to those pictures being shared but like she is a sexually liberated female Let's put it that way. Still, yikes. Like, I just don't like the idea of all these teenage boys masturbating over their new teacher. It's weird. I, so I'm, oh my god, pop culture reference, but I'm watching the, um, I don't remember what channel is doing it, but it's the recent Playboy documentary that came out, yeah. and part of what they, I mean, they talk about the really dark aspects of it, but they also talk about, like, for a lot of the women who posed nude, similar to how this character poses nude for, what was it, page six or something, um, it's a thing for them. Like, it feels good for them to be doing it, and they don't mind the attention. And most of the time, it sounds like they actually want that attention in whatever form it may come in, and, like, they know the consequences of it. Yeah. But for them, it's, like, that sexually liberating kind of thing. Yeah. We're doing a lot of heavy topics for this book. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Jennifer really gets into a lot of, like, because I think British culture in general is much more open about, like, sexuality kind of things and just, like, in general, everything that a lot of Americans are very prude about. So it's interesting hearing her talk about those sort of things. Oh, I'm a big prude, so, like, relatable. (laughs) 
Uh, I watched Skins. I could never be a prude about anything ever again. Skins growing up, I should be clear. I, I could have watched about Skins recently everything. and was like, now I'm a liberated female because I watched British television show about teenagers. About teenagers. You can say that about Euphoria, maybe. Oh, yeah. Euphoria honestly takes it to an extreme, though. There's something about, like, the way that they depict things. It's just, like, a little bit too much for me. I don't know. I panicked the other day because Skyla showed me a meme and it mentioned Euphoria characters. And I was like, what do you know about Euphoria? She's like, kids in school talk about it all the time. And I'm like, you are not allowed to watch that show. Do not engage with conversations about that show. That show is not real life. Well, I think it does actually teach a lot of good lessons. It's just a very, very dark show and the question is are kids coming away from it with the right lessons which i think that they can but like in the middle of season two right now it's really dark so i'm not saying kids can't come away with the right lessons but i think those lessons need to be reinforced and instructed and monitored i don't think that they can not some kids can some kids are very very smart not all kids are that way and so like i don't feel comfortable with her watching that show on her own and her magically being able to pick up the right lessons from it. That was like, was it? It wasn't Degrassi. It, there was another was show Degrassi. that they would have this like after show where they talked about everything that happened in the show. And like when there were very darker kind of themes, they would have full conversations about that. Why? It wasn't that because I didn't watch that. Um, it was a show that I watched. I'm wondering if it was Degrassi. If they had, Maybe. like, an after show. Degrassi had really good lessons in it. Like, that shaped me as a kid. <laughs> I agree. I didn't watch a lot of it, but, like, every single one I learned something from. I love Degrassi. Yeah. Maybe it was Degrassi then. Um, but they had the after... Whatever show it was, they had after shows. And I thought that was so smart because they would just talk about everything. Like, if it was, like, about an eating disorder they would talk about the eating disorder and like the implications of the eating disorder and like bring in people to talk about it like it was really well done 13 reasons why i did something similar but they dealt with the topics in such more stark ways that i don't know that it was enough Mm, um again not a show that we're watching in our house because (laughs) i think that they are about teenagers but with adult topics and like unless an adult is sitting there like helping to digest the information it's not safe information to share. Um, mm. And I feel that same way about Euphoria because, like, you can watch it and be, like, distracted by all the pretty colors and all the hot people and, like, everyone's interactions. And if you're not really paying attention, you may get the vibe that drugs are cool. <laughs> and I don't want that to be the lesson that's a takeaway. So, not in my house for now, at least. Plus, I, you made me watch, like, one or two episodes, and I was, like, traumatized by the I first... I remember that. It was not having it. It is not a show for me. Uh, okay, but back to the book. Um, what the fuck is this charity? How much is that doggy? <laughs> I love it so much. Where is the description for that? Page 26. Oh, my God. It is the funniest satirical yeah. thing I have ever read in my entire life. Let me read this. For the popular charity, How Much Is That Doggy?, which auctions off celebrities' discarded pets and other memorabilia <laughs> to raise money for children with terminal illnesses. 
I know from our very successful throw a brick at a teacher stall, which raised over 500 pounds for how, how much is that doggy at the summer fair last term, that this worthy cause is very dear to your hearts. <laughs> Many things to break down here. First off, I'm sorry, they're auctioning off pets that have already belonged but, but to someone. discarded celebrity pets. How many celebrity pets are getting discarded? That this is a feasible charity to raise money. I just think it's so funny because it's clearly a satirical take. And I remember never thinking anything of it until this read. And I was like, hold on. (laughs) Also, I'm sorry. I want to go back to the, the, the local towns auction that they did to help raise money for this charity which was to throw bricks at their teachers so clearly that's the take on the pie throwing stuff right my question is there must be some british thing because there's another um uh there's another british reference to a tv show where they actually changed the name for um just slightly i i'll have to find it again um, it was like, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. But they changed it to, I'm a something, get me out of here. So my guess is that how much is that doggy? It was is some sort of take on a British thing that we just don't know about. And she was like, I'm going to make it satirical and take it to the next level. Same thing with throw, throw a brick at a teacher. I think that's more obvious. Like, it could be the water balloon thing. It could be the pie thing. Um, yeah. That's, even, that's just dangerous. And what's also funny, too, I'm getting so much of my pop culture references, but, like, <laughs> this section has HMITD for How Much Is That Doggy, but I read that, and I was like, How I, I Met Your Mother. mother. No. <laughs> Wait, have you been watching the new show? <laughs> I have not, no. Is it good? It's about as good as How I Met Your Mother was, but I like it. I mean, it has Piz okay. from Veronica Mars, and it has Hilary Duff, so, like... I want to watch it just for Hillary, but... And it has the girl from Secret Life of the American Teenager, the one who donated her kidney to Selena Gomez. I don't know who that is. I never watched it. <laughs> um, I don't remember her name, but I love <laughs> okay, her. And not one. I'm just... Okay. It's fun. Half-hour episodes is a sitcom. It's fun. I'm enjoying it. I just... Fine, if it's satire, I would like to point out if you Google throwing bricks at people fundraiser, uh, the first couple things that pop up are GoFundMes for victims of brick assaults. So, oh my god. Just, it's, yes, satire, but like hit you over the head satire. Like, Jesus Christ. And I, I still cannot fathom this charity. I'm just... <laughs> Because honestly, like, even if they, the teacher's like, you guys clearly all love this charity because you raised over 500 pounds for it. Or they just really fucking hate the teachers and they just wanted to throw bricks at them. (laughs) It has nothing to do with the charity. And explain the mechanics of a charity to me that where they raise money by auctioning off dogs. Why do they need donations? Logistics. I don't know. I have no idea. 
make it make sense. I know, I know. Yeah, um, I found their other reference, or her other reference. So, the British TV show is called I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, where they take a bunch of celebrities whose careers are dying, and they pet, put them in the jungle, and they're like, yeah, have fun. Um, and, like, they put them through these, like, different scenarios that they have to, like, get out of. Like, it's, like, touching bugs or, like, having to make a campfire. Like, some random things. Like, disgusting things, too. I could do those things. It gets disgusting. Oh. I only watched a f- season because Dougie Pointer from um, one of my favorite bands was on it. And that was it. I, I stopped watching it. <laughs> but she changes it, changes it to, which also doesn't make any sense, I'm a weather girl. Get me out of here. So presumably weather girls are going on this show and being put in the jungle somewhere. <laughs> so, yeah. Absolutely wild. Um, she had okay. a little too much fun with this stuff. <laughs> she did have a lot of fun with it. Do Are there any charities that exist like this in the real world that you know of? How much is that doggy? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot of charities that auction off celebrity memorabilia. I don't sure. know any pets that auction off discarded pets or anything like that. Oh, live like animals? Maybe, like, discarded cars I could see being something, because, like, celebrities go through cars really quickly, but I don't know of any. <laughs> wild. Absolutely it's just, wild. It is funny when you think about it, though, because, like, cele- a lot of celebrities do treat pets like accessories. <laughs> so, true. This is true. Yeah. Um, and then, funnily enough, not the wildest part of this chapter, mm. uh, <laughs> the actual wildest part of this chapter this reality TV show is going to be live broadcast on channel 666. <laughs> and it clicked for me when you said the name Hades. She the had Lord so much fun with this book. <laughs> like, literally, the production company are devils. And in the way that they're talking to the kids, I'm like... This cannot be union sanctioned. Like, what is happening? And the main guy's name is Storm. He is a storm. <laughs> Working I'm for just, Hades. Nothing feels real. It's supposed to be a book of real reality, and it all feels fake. <laughs> well, it's the actual real reality. There's no satire in there whatsoever. No, one bit. She doesn't, she doesn't oversell things or uh hyperbole anything at all jennifer james is definitely so normal (laughs) completely (laughs) um but yeah i just like literally the fact that the channel number is 666 i was like "Mm, the producers seem like devils they're awful and not humorous at all in how they deal with the children the pronunciation literally sounds like the lord of the underworld and I feel like all of a sudden this book is going to turn and I'm going to end up in an episode of the the relaunch of Sabrina the Teenage Witch that I was not expecting. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you would have warned me if that was the case. Probably. There's no fantasy elements to this at all. I mean, there's definitely things that like feel like they're fantastical, but they're not fantasy. It's just, it's so wild. Like, it... You could definitely see that, right? How it feels like you could go from this section to Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I get that. Or even Riverdale and, like, the fantastical elements of Riverdale. Like, I could see that. 
Oh my god. Anyways, next thing you know, Riverdale's gonna have a Hades production in the next season. I would love that. That'd be amazing. <laughs> they could get the rights to it. I'm here for it. <laughs> Uh, okay, but anyways, that's all That's all I had for this section, for general commentary. What do you have, Julia? Um, not a whole lot, because um, <laughs> I inputted a lot in there, but um, this is also, I think, the first section where we see both the Daily Rumor and the Tribune news clippings, which is very interesting, I thought. So clearly, we were getting the sense that the Daily Rumor is exactly that, the Daily Rumor. It's like the Daily Mail. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. And then the Tribune is more of the, like, kind of hard-hitting news where they're, like, getting other opinions. They're talking to the teachers union about this. It's actual um, journalism. Actual journalism. How refreshing. Um, but the fun part is the daily rumor because we get the, you know, the rumors about what's happening, which is funny because none of them are really rumors because all of these turn out to be true, as we know from the cast of characters. <laughs> true. This is true. Um... I, oh my god, the whole, I'm going back again, but the whole bath section also just had me, I had a similar stance to you where it was like, I get, like, we don't want, we want to be able to not shave, we want to be able to, like, go out and not have to worry about buying, like, $10 deodorants, totally get it, um, as somebody who very much likes smelling good and has a lot of perfumes, I also very much get Jennifer's stance though because it's nice to smell nice um not even just for like other people but for yourself it like it's that kind of like wearing makeup for a lot of people it's a confidence boost which obviously stems from the male image of women having to look pretty but we're never gonna get out of that so it's just what we deal with um like there's no no way we can get rid of that (laughs) Uh, but it's the so male that's... image, like, projected on males, too. Like, men feel that same way about a lot of things. It's just yeah. not... It's not as mainstream, and they can get away with it a little bit more than we can. But, like, yeah. I agree with you. Like, I like smelling nice. I sometimes just spray my fancy perfume on myself when I'm sitting in my room, and no one else is going to smell me, because I like the smell. Same. It smells good. <laughs> I'll spray my perfume on my pillow because it smells so good. I'm like, I want to go to bed with a nice smell on my pillow. Yeah. It's not a big deal. Sometimes Um, I burn candles that smell like men in my room. (laughs) Helps me not feel as alone. Um, But that whole scene, again, kind of like in section one, reminds me of a very extreme example of a mother and a daughter talking about how you look like I remember having conversations with my mom like I need to have these Ugg boots because they're gonna make me look really cool I somehow convinced her to get me those Ugg boots but most of the time when I was asking her for like the new trendy thing she was like no you don't need this like you're a teenager you're gonna you're never gonna see these people again like your reputation right now what you're wearing it shouldn't be based off of it like it should be based off your intellectualness blah 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 your like, stuff like that. yeah exactly like it, we just have it in this extreme example of jacosta being like you don't need to smell nice for society these standards are ridiculous etc etc like it's just really i think that julian shields just captures that so well in such an extreme example yeah um and you feel for jennifer because it's like oh my god just let her take her bath she needs to de-stress a bit. <laughs> well, and this is before the conversation about mental health really, like, 
came onto the scene and like self-care and how we think about self-care and how especially women sort of perpetrate self-care in our lives women women i'm I'm trying so hard to say it the way that like it's written out in women like w-i-m-i-n women 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 studies oh my gosh (laughs) um but yeah so then my other comment was when she just like assumes that mr webster and vicky are gonna win (laughs) like she goes we're just like casually talking about you know, like, Seth Dale and, like, the show and Tulula, and then she's like, oh, my God, but what if Vicky and Mr. Webster win and, win and then I'm left here all on my own? I'm like, girl, like, I'm very glad that you think that Vicky has the chance to win, but hold your horses here. You're, like, thinking of the worst-case scenario. How did we get here? Like, Mr. Webster, I get. It makes sense to think that he might win, but, yeah, Vicky, why would you think that it's going to happen automatically? <laughs> Poor girl. Um, I'm so excited that we meet Storm Young finally. He is a character, and we're going to have so much fun discussing him later on because he is, yeah, he's an interesting guy. (laughs) I don't want to spoil anything right now. I'm excited. But it'll, it'll be great. And then... Um, I think the other thing that I had was just in her letter, Miss Moody's letter, my favorite thing was she was like, um, I think it was in the section. I'm getting the section so much stuff because like, it's, it's okay. just this like flow. Um, but I she, yeah, she's <laughs> okay. It is here. She says that she was misled about the production. I'm like, either Hades Production is a really bad production company, which is totally plausible, but they do have other things in production. Like, they have, I would assume, some protocols to explain the premise of this show. Or Miss Moody is just, like, one of those people that was like, she saw an opportunity, didn't tell the whole truth, and was like, okay, we're going with it, and then later on reveals oh, I didn't know the whole truth because she knew that there was going to be backlash. I struggle because I feel like, you know, and maybe this is just from everything I've read about, like, how the tabloids treated, like, Meghan Markle and stuff and all these, like, underhanded tactics that they do to get the stories and the information that they want. I would not put it past a production company, which are not public companies, and so they do not have to adhere to all of the same requirements that, like, public companies under various security laws around the globe have to adhere to, for them to be like, oh, we're just really interested in, like, filming your school to understand, like, the school dynamic and, like, what's going on in schools today and, like, talking about, you know, the struggles and the joys that are faced at all these schools And we're going to bring in some celebrities to, like, help us bring attention to your school and not giving the whole story about what that means. Like, I could totally see a production company doing something underhanded like that. Wouldn't it be a major red flag for a school administrator that she wasn't told the whole truth? And now she finds out that it's, like, a whole different thing from a documentary, which is what she was originally told I don't know. Yeah, I'm surprised that she's not more upset, honestly. <laughs> it's just interesting. Um, 
But uh, we don't know enough about her. I don't know enough about her character to know whether or not she's lying, right? Like, maybe I'll get yeah. a better vibe actually meeting her later on because we haven't met her yet. We've just heard about her from Jennifer. But I'm, at this point, more likely to believe that the production company is doing something underhanded, especially given how weird Storm talks to the student. Oh, yeah, I was about to come on that, too. He goes, where is it again? Um, He literally calls it an orgy of, like, votes or something. Oh, orgy of public humiliation. In the letter, two students... (laughs) No understanding of how the world works, dude. And then, except for poor old year 13, because it is blatantly too late for them to go gallivanting off to new school, isn't it? <laughs> like, oh my god, okay. Yeah, the, he's gonna, he as the representative of Hades is gonna be a great character. Um, <laughs> But, yeah. That's all I had for this section. Pop culture. I think I dropped a lot of my pop culture when we were talking because it was just so it's hard not to. Fair. What what else did you have for the first section? Let's see. Um, well, I think that in general. What did I have in here? Um, oh, I wrote some down. Here they are. Uh <laughs> I don't know why, but for some reason I was getting Mortal Instruments vibes from Jocasta. Obviously very two different mothers, but they were both, like, very, like, controlling of their daughters in a Mm. questionable way with, you know, I cannot remember her name for the life of me, but... I'll look it up while you're talking. Okay, like, yeah. So the Mortal Instruments mother obviously shielded Clary from um, her past and who she actually is, which, like very questionable because i feel like she should have known things okay what jocelyn they're both j oh, names oh my god maybe this is why i thought <laughs> can't I trust j names hey <laughs> i'm sorry that's the, the thing J-O's. i see I the just, jocs there you go that's the thing i see on the internet all the time about men can't trust guys that are named with j well that's true the jacks the johns the jims the jaces <laughs> The Jason, the Jasons. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's where I was going. I, I I knew, but yeah, two very controlling mothers, each in their own way, um, and showing a very difficult mother daughter relationship. Obviously, Jocelyn and Clary. I mean, they don't speak to each other for a very long time, and when they finally do, they make up very quickly. But (laughs) it's going to take a lot longer for uh, Jocasta and Jennifer to do that. So I'm more supportive of Jocelyn's choices than I am of Jocasta so far. Yeah. Uh, The other one I had was there is a French movie which was also made into an Americanized movie, although the American version is terrible. Um, It's called LOL, Laugh Out Loud. Um, The American version has some Miley Cyrus in it. I was going to say, yeah, I saw that. The French version is so much better. In both versions, I think, though, but especially in the French version, um, one of the friends, the main character, has a huge crush on... I think it's her math teacher, um, and 
goes out of her way. Obviously, it's not like Jennifer where she has, like, an understanding that this is not going to happen. In LOL, she actually, like, goes out of her way to make it seem like she's this mature adult who goes out and does her own grocery shopping. (laughs) And when she sees the teacher at a grocery store and, like, asks for a... Um, tutoring just to like talk to him more blah 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 but every time I think of like that sort of student crush thing I always think of that movie because it's just so ridiculous and funny um yes uh obviously we had the Romeo and Juliet which were obvious pop culture references and I had a lot of fun reading about that (laughs) um I don't think I had anything else, actually. What did you have? Oh, what didn't I have? Okay. No. Um, well, so it's not really a pop culture reference, but I did want to dive into the comparison to Jocasta a little bit more, because she doesn't say it, but Jocasta is the mother of Oedipus, and Oedipus is obviously a very well-known figure in Greek tragedy and, like, the plays that have existed. But now I'm curious if she's comparing, and the reason I put this down as a pop culture reference, if she's comparing her mother to Jocasta, like, Oedipus's mom, does that make Jennifer Antigone? Because that's a sad life for her. Great question. I Excellent just... Question. I... Uh, it's also a horrible thing to compare your mom to just because they... She picked the same name. Like, Jocasta is a fairly common name in Australia and New Zealand. It's not, like, unheard of. I'm pretty sure the Prime Minister of New Zealand's name is Jocasta. Like, can we not just draw comparisons to Oedipus's mom every time? The name gets brought up. It was it was a bit much to start the book off for me, um, and I'm worried that she may have some more deeper like psychological damage that we may need to dig into if this is the kind of stuff she's comparing her mom to. But going to your point, you actually I wrote this one down while we were talking because you brought up a really good point about Jacosta going through this midlife crisis and like retaliating about how she was structuring her home based on her women's studies classes and all of this stuff that was going on in her life and how she didn't want to be like the stereotypical wife and mother and like you know cooking the meals and being picture perfect mom reminded me so much I don't know if you've read this book but everything I never told you by Celeste Ng no I haven't Literary fiction, so shocker that it's a book that Chantel read, but I read it for a book club. Um, But it's set earlier in history, like, not anything super recent. But the, um, like, probably, like, the 80s, maybe? 70s, 80s, or when the kids are getting raised. And the mom of the family is white and blonde, pretty much, and the dad is Asian. And so they got married at a time that interracial marriages were not a happy thing and so the kids struggle a lot in school because they get bullied they're you know not quite Chinese not quite white things are are challenging for them and the mom is challenged too because my mom Mm -hmm. the mom is challenged too because she met um their dad at like in college and she really wanted to be a doctor and like really wanted to 
pursue her career and like be her own person and end up getting pregnant and not finishing her degree and like not being able to go on and do that stuff and ended up taking her mom's recipes and like cooking dinner every night for her family and all of this stuff and she has a moment in the book where she just snaps and like goes off and like finishes her degree and abandons her family and like go wants to become who she is and eventually she comes back and like is their mom again but she refuses to cook home-cooked meals ever again so that's her retaliation point she will not cook anymore because she doesn't want to be the betty crocker mom like her mother was to her so she always makes them frozen meals and just the idea of like having that midlife crisis and that retaliation was very similar you know that book deals with the topic in a lot more complexity and it's a in a much heavier way, because again, it's literary fiction, but it was a very clear dynamic um, that that time between the two. So thought I'd mention it. Uh, the references from the lack of care that the schools made <laughs> reminded me of a couple of things. Uh, first one is well, my first Princess Diaries reference of the night, but not my last. So sorry in <laughs> advance. Um, but the fact that like the teachers don't seem to really care what the students do that her uh principal is like never actually there reminded me so much of when Mia does the interview with Beverly Bellareve in the second book and is like oh yeah my teacher for a uh, gifted <laughs> what a G&E like gifted and educated or whatever the class is um she's like Mrs. Hill she's never even there she hangs out in the teacher's Oh my god. And there's this, like, whole investigation at the school about it, and it's, to me, it's like, shit, 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 I'm sorry, Mrs. Hill. (laughs) So it reminded me of that. Uh, And then, secondly, with, like, specifically the principal not being involved, and the vice principal being the person that has to, like, do all of the work to try to investigate and manage and do everything, reminded me a lot of Veronica Mars, because the principal, Mr. Clements, is, like, always the one that has to deal with Veronica and all of her shenanigans. The only time the principal ever shows up in the entire show is when a scandal happens that involves him, and it turns out he, like, slept with a student. Oh, my God. Okay. And she had his baby, and then it was adopted by another person. Oh, my God. Uh, but that meant that the vice principal became the principal, so it was, like, a nice thing for him, and we like him, so it was fine in the long run. Um, but, uh, yeah, those, so those are my two pop culture references for the lack of educational support. Uh, the fact that the, that Jocasta threw the permission slip away and, like, refused to sign it, Harry Potter and his Hogsmeade letter... (laughs) Oh, Jennifer's Harry Potter. <laughs> it also reminded me of this Netflix movie, Feel the Beat, with Sophia Carson. I watched it with Skyla. Um, but one of the girls, her mom and her dad either got divorced, like, got divorced or he died or something. And her mom can't afford the dance team anymore. So, but she still wants to go to, like, the big state competition. So she forges her mom's and gets on the bus anyways and the mom finds out about it and it's like this whole big thing um but her just kind of like trying to hide it under the radar and like not have her mom know about the permission slip in the competition and pretending she's doing something else reminded me a lot of of that movie and that poor little girl um 
I did, I wanted to warn Jennifer away from the type of school that she wants to go to when she's explaining about, like, the grammar and the private school. She's like, I want to learn Latin, and I want all of these, like, particular things, and I was like, girl, you cannot handle dark academia. You will not survive in Ninth House or The Secret History. Do not try to change the ten. <laughs> Imagine Jennifer in like a Ninth House scenario at Yale. Oh my I god! I cannot. And she's well. And she was so specific. She's like, all of the like dorms have house names and all of this stuff. And I was like, no, you won't survive. You will not do well. Like. Uh, ninth house is one thing. Can you imagine her in the secret history? <laughs> I think that she would not make it past one page. They would laugh at her and she would be forgotten as a character. <laughs> no, they just use her as fodder. They'd legit kill her. Yep. Uh, that You'll appreciate this reference, I think. Okay. The The boat that's just, like, left rotting out in the back that the ninth class makes. Um, even though they don't have a lake and, like, nothing to do with it. They just kind of, like, made it and then they never actually, like, finished it or made it useful. Just reminded me of Luke's boat from Gilmore Girls. <laughs> <laughs> from his dad that yeah. he needs to finish and, like, never can finish because it's just, like, he can't will himself to do something with it. Yeah. Go more girls. Great show. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fixation on Mr. Weber, I mean, to your point in your pop culture reference, very reminiscent of all girl crushes on male teachers, which happens profusely in literature. Um, all of the examples that came to mind for me were where everyone was a consenting adult, which made it more comfy for me because it makes me very uncomfy. Like, every time a teenager has a crush on an adult, I get very uncomfy very, very quickly. But I have some lovely adult references that we can point to. All right. You've culture. read a lot of romances similar, I'm sure. Um, the Well, the first one isn't a romance, but it reminds me of Sally and, like, everyone else's other than Evelyn's, crush on Professor Martin in The Concealed. Because remember the whole class was, like, super into him, and they were just like... I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's so pretty. And Evelyn's like, yeah, but Jared. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, So it reminded me of that. It reminded me of Darcy's crush on Orion in Zodiac Academy, because there's... But they actually played that out. Like, that becomes a relationship for them down the down the line um but at the beginning before they actually hook up she's like mooning over him and he's just like i hate you but secretly he's in love with her uh so at least they're of age in those books it makes it slightly less uncomfy and then the other one that came to mind when we were talking because at least it's more high school centric but again still of age never been kissed the drew barrymore movie where it's with her English teacher, I'm pretty sure, and she's a journalist, and so she's bringing, she's pretending to be a high school student. She's an adult, but she's never been kissed, so she's kind of dowdy, I guess is the best way to describe her, and she has to investigate something at this high school, so she poses as a high school student, and in the English class, she's a really hot English teacher, and oh she's bringing up all of these, like, literary comparisons for all these books that they're reading in English class. And the teacher is just, like, falling in love with her in- intellect because he's like, this high school student is so smart. 
<laughs> and then they end up like falling in love. Um, it's a weird rom com, but classic, you know, early two thousands Drew Barrymore. So setting setting checked out. And then uh, the last one for this section the drive that she has to, like, have her first kiss and have it be something very specific in how it, like, plays out was very Princess Mia, both in the books and in the movies. Like, she wants it to be romantic and lovely and this, like, big grand fireworks moment and she doesn't want to settle for anything less. And that's just, I all I can picture is the Princess Diaries movie when Mia's, like, wanting her foot to pop and, like, how she's just so set on getting her foot to pop um but also the rush to get it over with that she's clearly facing very angus songs and perfect stogging yeah um but yeah in general i would say jennifer's giving me huge mia vibes like throughout both of these chapters especially in the way that she points out her insecurities and like the things that she doesn't mm-hmm. like about herself, it's so Mia. Like especially as I've been rereading Princess Diaries lately, Mia's like, who would want a like flat-chested, triangle-haired, like weirdo like me who's too tall and doesn't have boobs? And I'm just like, okay, these two girls should not ever be left in a room alone together because they would not go. Well. They would self-destruct. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so that was a lot, but that's that's all I had for the first section. Okay. Section two, September sixth yeah. to twelfth. What do you have? I had three. Um, okay. Because I already kind of talked about some, but um, again, already mentioned it, and we're going over the synopsis. But the way that they talk about like there will be two students who will be entered per year. Right? These are much longer games. Which I think that they might have come out around the same time, but they were definitely not influenced by each other. Right. <laughs> so not it was close. a satire. Like, I would have been like, maybe she's also being satirical about the Hunger Games here. I don't know. Uh, but clearly not. Uh, it was just the way that they're talking about it and, like, you're going to get voted off. It's just, it felt so stressful for these kids. Wild. Um, and then, of course, year 13 is, like, district one or something i don't know although they don't get any cool prize um the other one that i had was uh wild child um i do not remember the name of the bully in that movie it's the emma roberts movie where she gets shipped off to boarding school in england and there's this one bully who the actress is so good she gets cast in these weird roles sometimes though she was also on the merlin show playing a really weird character but um, Tallulah kind of reminds me of that bully, um, especially in here where we're seeing her interacting with Marcus and then Jennifer is there. Same thing with Emma Roberts' character in Wild Child. Like, um, there's like this weird dynamic going on. Tallulah clear, clearly likes Marcus. The bully character, character in um, Wild Child likes this son of the headmistress or something like that and clearly something's going on with Emma Roberts character and him and obviously Jennifer is crushing but not crushing on Marcus right like, it, it's the this, this same sort of dynamic reminds me a lot of that um, and of course it's British <laughs> of course um, of course 
And also what's interesting, this isn't a pop culture reference, but I just realized this. Um, if this were an American book, Marcus would not be the musician. He would be the jock. But very interesting. Um, then the other thing I had was when they're talking about, um, uh, what's his name? The, the celebrity who's coming over that Tallulah is in love with. Oh my god, what's his name? How am I blanking on this? Seth. Seth. When they're talking about Seth, is that in this section? Again, I'm like blending everything together. But the the Meg Cabot book, Teen Idol, um, I think his name is Luke in that. I mean, we'll get more into Seth's character later on, so I'm kind of jumping ahead because I already know who Seth is. But there's something about Seth, even here in the introduction, which reminds me a lot of Luke's character in Teen Idol, <laughs> where he's like this heartthrob and he's gonna like win over all the ladies, and Tallulah has this big crush on him, and like it's the same thing in Teen Idol when he gets discovered as being this undercover pop star. Like, um, reminds me a lot of that. Oh so. my god, it's like stuck in the suburbs. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> I think Luke is undercover because he's like. He wants to, it's almost like method acting. He wants to get the real feel for how it is to be a student in, in high school because he never went to a public school. So. Oh, God, I remember that book. It's been so long since I've read it. I should reread it. I used to what love that book. I loved really All-American funny. Girl. That was my other was Meg Cabot book. book that, I, I that one got too serious, and it got dragged out too long. Teen Idol was a standalone, which is why I liked it, because it got wrapped up in one book. But We're yeah. going to have a lot of Meg Cabot references, we I feel are, like. This is such a Meg Cabot-type book. Truly. It really is. Um, what do you have? So, the mean girl scene from the first day of school, where... Um, Jennifer's describing like why Tallulah hates her reminds me of this movie Raising the Bar which is an Australian movie um, that against Kelly and I watched it's a gymnastics movie and there's this like mean girl who makes fun of the main girl character because she shows up wearing the wrong uniform she's wearing the winter uniform because she just moved from America and it's December so she thought she should wear the winter uniform in December, but it's Australia, so she actually should be wearing the summer uniform because <laughs> hemispheres. And she didn't recognize that, so she shows up. She shows up wearing the wrong uniform, and the girl makes fun of her and just like has it out for her, and she can't really figure out like what she did was so wrong, but spends the rest of the movie trying to like deal with her insecurities about making friends and like how to get this girl on her side. So mm. slight. And especially with, like, the, the British and, like, Australian, like, school situation, it just kind of, like, tied out because the accent sounds kind of similar in my head, so, you know. Uh, and then also, again, reminds me of why Lana hates Princess Mia. Um, because when we get to what book, like, eight or nine, when they become friends, and Lana's just like, well, you were horrible to me, too. Like, you smashed my cell phone, and, like, you did all of this stuff. And Mia's like... Oh, yeah, I guess I kind of did do those things. And then they become friends. So smashing the CD player and then smashing the cell phone. Just a lot of destruction of electronics by our main girls here, you know? It, yeah. We got to watch where they're walking. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I call, she, like, specifically made reference to Tallulah as the queen of mean, which 
every time I hear that now, because this is a constant playlist in my house, I just think of the song from Descendants 3, where Audrey, who's the daughter of a Princess Aurora, um, decides that she's going to be evil and puts everyone under a sleeping curse and sings a song called Queen of Mean. So I just hear that song playing in my head every time that phrase is used. Descendants 3. Not as good as Descendants 2. But still decent. Uh, Tallulah is Veruca Salt. Oh, yeah. Cannot convince me otherwise. I don't think I need to say more than that. No. No. Mr. Marcus, who's in a band playing his guitar. I really hope he turns out to be like Ian from What a Girl Wants. That's what I'm picturing in my head right now. Oh my god, what I love that picture. I will take that. I like that a lot. That's a really good way of putting it. It yeah. makes it so much better because the Marcus in my head didn't like did not have an identity and now this is so much better. <laughs> well, because you were talking him. about him being like if it was American, he would be a jock, not a musician, and something about that, I was like, Ian! <laughs> I love Ian. Oh, he's one of my favorite characters of all time. Uh, one of the book boyfriends, even though it's not a book. Yes, yes. He's he's passable as a book boyfriend. Yeah, exactly. We can adopt him into the club either way. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm surprised you didn't make this reference, but Tallulah Perkins is the Gretchen Wieners of Midcaster. <laughs> Gretchen's dad invented toaster strudel. Oh my god. And Tallulah's dad invented frozen cabbage. <laughs> well, he didn't invent frozen cabbage, but well, yes, he is the king of frozen cabbage in their area. <laughs> she's the guy. Which I guess in in California or wherever Mean Girls is set, I'm sure toaster strudel is the same thing as cabbage to them. <laughs> But, like, do you remember when they call her in about the burn book and she's like, I feel like my father, the inventor of poster strudel, would have a lot to say about this. And Tallulah never gets punished because her dad has all this money and they're scared of him. So He has all the lawyers. Yeah, checks out. Very true. Um, okay, I don't know if you've seen this show, but, um... Jennifer's initial reactions to St. Willibald and, like, it being the place of the high school of her dreams and, like, everything she wants and she's going to do everything she can to get there uh, reminds me a lot of Nini, which is Olivia Rodrigo's character in High School Musical, the musical, the series, because there's... (laughs) Every time someone says that, I'm like, oh my god. I don't know how to shorten it, because otherwise you're just saying a bunch of consonants and it doesn't work either. Um, but Nini's character has always been, like, a background character in the musicals, but she, like, truly believes, like, she can stand out and, like, be the main character of a story, and she desperately wants to go to this conservatory, which is, like, a separate high school that she could transfer to that's focused just on music, um, Mm. and musical theater, as an example, right? So... She works really hard to get cast as Gabriella in High School Musical, the production that they're staging at their school, so that, and then to get a scout to come to the show so that she can go to this conservatory. So she's 
spends the entire first season trying to get to this conservatory and like make everything work and work around love and challenges and all of this stuff and I I was just getting vibes from the early stages of that show versus the early stages of, of this book uh and then because I need to make one more Princess Diaries reference do you know who else is in a band and introduces all of his bandmates to a girl and would totally play with her younger brother? I don't know any character in The Princess Diaries at all who would be like that. <laughs> well, let me tell you, Julia, it's Michael Moskowitz. Oh my god, who's that? <laughs> I've never oh, heard of him. The love of my life. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> Am I wrong? He plays with Rocky, her little brother. He has a band. He wants Mia to feel chill with the guys in the band. Mostly Boris. I don't really think she cares about the other guys in the band, but, like, to feel (laughs) chill with Boris. He writes songs for her. Honestly, if he could turn out to be a Michael Moskowitz character, I would be overwhelmed with joy but ian will settle for it ian's where i'm estimating it's gonna end up because michael moskowitz no one can touch him in my book (laughs) well he also has a lot of books to have a really good character development himself versus this is a standalone it's mark is gonna be able to have that same growth right but i don't feel like mark is gonna be able, able to offer me what michael offered me even in just book one which is an obsession with Star Wars and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> no, he's not going to offer you that. <laughs> um, yep, those are my pop culture references. So Those were some good... I'm, I knew you were going to come up with so many. This is so good. <laughs> and half of them are Princess Diaries. I'm know, so sorry. But we're going to go through so many Meg Cabot references. Like, I'm waiting to bring up The Mediator at some point. Because that was my number one Meg Cabot book for so long. Does it check out for anything in this book? Well, there's definitely some romance aspects in The Mediator, so you don't know. And a lot of high school dynamics, actually. I should go back and reread The the Mediator. It's been a long time. But if I can make it happen, I will make it happen. (laughs) Just for the sake of Meg Cabot. (laughs) I promise I will read it once you give me a date when the TV show's coming out. God, I hope it comes out. I hope it doesn't become just, like, one of these shelved things that they get our hopes up for. Like Princess Diaries 3? <sighs> just, yeah, that and, like, so many YA. Like, The Raven Cycle, I am so disappointed in that. That really hurt when they said they were stopping that. That's just, like, uh Like, if the pandemic hadn't happened, I really wonder if they would have gone through with it. Maybe eventually they'll pick it back up. Yeah. I... I feel like, though, like, at some point it's going to become too passe, kind of like with Looking for Alaska. Like, if they had done Looking for Alaska back when it was at its height of popularity, I think that the show would have gone over great. But, like, we're all old now. Like, Looking for Alaska isn't as popular as it used to be with people whose age it's targeted at. And it's not as culturally relevant for us anymore either. Exactly. Like, now, I used to idolize that book, and now I'm looking back at it like, that was a terrible book to idolize. (laughs) Like, there's nothing of substance in it. But Well, there are things of substance in it, but all of the things of substance are transient in the way that youth 
experience transients. Yeah. And so it doesn't relate as well to an adult audience. Yeah. So that was disappointing. So at some point, like, it's now or never for the Raven Cycle. Don't say that. I think Raven Cycle is different because we read it as adults and we still love it. That is true. That is very true. But I also think it's more of a cult following than looking for Alaska was. Oh, God, it's a huge cult following for sure. Uh, I hope that this happens. Anyway, not to get... uh, Nothing to do with this podcast. Completely different subject. Yes. Um, MVPs? Oh, MVPs. I'll give it to you first. Okay. Um, (laughs) uh, Ooh, challenging. All right. It is challenging. None of them are really quite good yet. You know what? I'm going to give my MVP to Vicky because I I really... I really appreciate that she was like, if you can't participate, I won't either. She is a good friend. And, you know, I'm proud of her for somehow staying alive, even though there's no way her dad has enough income to feed her. I know. Maybe he has really big celebrity customers. We don't know. But, like, what, he's, he's charging them, he's charging them exorbitant amounts for records that they could buy cheaper other, I don't understand. You never know. Uh, but, you know what, I really appreciate her, her energy. She seems chiller than Jennifer. Jennifer needs someone to, like, bring her down a little bit. So, I, I like her so far. So, yeah, I'm gonna go with Vicky. What about you? I'm going to go with Marcus for the very ending scene that we read where he is playing with um, Jennifer's kid brother. He did not have to do that. (laughs) Like, you don't really know each other. What? It was sweet. Yes, it was. And, like, they really don't know each other that well. Like, clearly Jennifer and Marcus are only very recently acquainted. Um, and Jennifer clearly has a lot of assumptions about him because of his association with Tallulah, um, that Marcus is very slowly chipping away at. (laughs) Um, and he's, at no point is he, like, he's a bad character in that he's clearly, I'm sure he's aware of how bad Tallulah is, and he is still being okay around her, but then goes and still is very very nice to jennifer which i'm sure Tulula would not enjoy seeing because she is enemy number one in her eyes right um and marcus does not care so i'm giving that to marcus because the high school social scene is tough and he does not care <laughs> and he was i i think especially in the first chapter he was so sweet to mm-hmm. her and she didn't recognize it as sweetness she thought he was making fun of her too but like he wasn't he just genuinely was trying to be nice after she was being bullied and trying to make her feel better and like that takes a lot of guts for well kid. it also sucks that right after that she got bullied for something that he said i know so <laughs> oh kids are the worst yep what about your wine rating julia all right i am writing this it's pretty low. I'm going to say it's a strawberry wine that would be rated at about a 7 out of 10, probably more like a 6 out of 10. We got a lot going on, a lot of sweetness, not a whole lot of substance. And you're, it's like you're not really keeping a whole lot on your tongue. We're getting through this. There's a lot of fast movement. You're just drinking to get it done, and then we're, we're hoping in the next part, in the next sip, the next glass, bottle, whatever, 
we are going to get more interesting things that we can sip on. Um, yeah. But also, like, strawberry wine is very much associated with being, you know, like, younger and very uh, unaware of alcohol and, like... <laughs> It just reminds me a lot of kind of Jennifer being a sort of immature teenager right now. So, yeah. Now, after we finish recording, I'm going to listen to Strawberry Wine, which is one of my favorite country songs. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> how, how about your whiny rating? Uh, We're starting high. We're going to go 9 out of 10 this, this Ooh, time. And like yeah. I said, at the beginning, I feel like we're going to be between an 8 and a 10 for most episodes. Constantly. I don't want to give it a full 10 because I don't feel like we've hit full force of how angsty she can be. But, oh God, she's so insecure. She does not believe in herself. She doesn't believe in anyone else. She thinks the worst of everything and is so melodramatic. And it's fine. It's very teen. It checks out. I don't mind reading it, but... Boy, it's a lot, especially coming out of reading a bunch of YA fantasy where, like, they have to fight to survive for their lives. And she's just like, uh, my permission slipped and you can sign. <laughs> and then stressing about whether or not her mom's going to figure out that she faked a signature, like, or got her dad to sign it. Like, okay, there are bigger picture things to, like, worry about. The other reason I wouldn't give it a 10 is because she does recognize those moments a little bit at certain points in the chapter, especially when thinking about her brother. Like, she goes to church and she's like, ugh, I've been kind of a mess. I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to go take my brother to the park, try to be good, and, like, bring my family back together and, like, not focus so much on this stuff that doesn't really matter. So she has those moments of, like, actually connecting to reality, um, but that's not the bulk of the chapter. Yeah. I think that is very fair, and I think that is going to become a theme. Yay. Yay. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. Look at us. We're, we had we're, a lot to say about this. We had a lot to say. I mean, we did get... It was a lot of... World building is not the right word, but, like, a lot of info dumping about, like, the yeah. rules of the contest and just... Me trying to get caught up to speed with the way that this book is written. So there's a lot to unpack yep. there. And I think a lot of commentary probably won't carry over to, to the next time we record. So well, we also got introduced to basically all of Jennifer's main relationships in these two sections. Mm-hmm. Like we get introduced obviously later on. We know to the celebrities and the assumption would be to more of the teachers as well since they're going to be part of the show. But these are the main relationships that she has. So. Right. And we don't have to super in-depth dissect her relationship with Jocasta every week unless there's something super impactful yes. to say. So Exactly. Agreed. Um, well, but that's it. We did it. We made it through. We did. The first two weeks of Jennifer's life. Oh my god. That took two hours for two weeks. Mm, I mean, it could be worse, I guess. But... Thanks, everyone, so much for listening. Um, if you're interested in following along with what's going on with the podcast and what's going on with us, you can follow us on social media. Um, we're on Instagram and Facebook at Unnecessary Angst Pod, and we're on Twitter at UnAngstPod. 
And you can also email us to talk about the book, to talk about other books that we've read, to talk about books you want us to read, or just to talk about books in general. We're kind of around. We're happy to chat about anything. And that email address is unnecessaryangstpod at gmail.com. And with that, we are going to go to sleep and we'll talk to you all next week. So hope you have a good one. Bye. Bye.